Talking. I am your host, Michael. And I'm your co-host, Rebecca. And I'm your sound expert, Mikey. And we have a special guest in our studio here. We do. I'll let him introduce himself. Hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Christopher King. And you are a contractor for NASA. Yes, I am a contractor with uh, the company called SAIC, contracting for NASA, working out of Langley Research Center in Hampton, Virginia. All right. And this is going to be our Houston We Have a Podcast episode. So I got my NASA guy here. You did. I did. (laughs) Now, we also went to the SAC Museum yesterday. Yes, we did. We got to meet a real astronaut, too. We did. So that was fun. Clayton Anderson. Yep, and he's local from Omaha, right? Um, from Ashland, yep. From a- well, mm-hmm. Ashland, or I guess Ashland and o- Omaha are like neighbors or yeah. pretty close enough anyway, right? Right, but I bet he'd prefer Ashland. He would prefer Ashland, yeah. okay. But he's from <laughs> Ashland, but he's still native to Nebraska. Correct. All right, we'll get this eventually. Um, so first, I'll let you go with the first topic here, because okay. you're researching this with me. I was kind of doing that, yeah. Um, so the first topic we wanted to cover was flat earthers and uh, how they think uh, everything is a hoax. <laughs> yeah. So from a NASA standpoint, are you guys CGIing the the stars? I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> that uh, said stars are being CGI'd. Uh, yeah, that's... That's a pretty crazy claim. <laughs> I assume you're talking about the, where they, they're they saying the moon pictures are CGI'd, or oh. are we talking about we're CGI'ing the stars as we sit here and look up at them at the night? So, and that's what I was trying to figure out in my research. So I found out they believe that the sun and the moon are there, but they revolve around the Earth. Right. And NASA faked the moon landing. Yeah. They are CGIing all kinds of pictures. So everything that we see up in the sky is CGI by NASA. NASA has this big hoax of, like, there's a dome above the Earth, and it's like a salad bowl, I guess. Huh. And Antarctica keeps all the water in. That's that's interesting. Um, it's kind of crazy. I guess <laughs> I guess to them, then, the, uh, you know, recorded history doesn't go back before... What the the mid fifties when NASA was formed? Because how were we right. uh, doing that before then? I mean, what about you know all recorded history of famous figures have looked up in the sky and and noted various events that have occurred, right? And huh. that would be pretty impressive to go. I guess they're time travelers. They go back and they CGI everything <laughs> uh, to you know. To fit the timeline. So it wasn't a moon mission. It was a mission through time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's... Maybe that's where the time machine's at. Maybe that is where it's at. <laughs> is on the moon that orbits a flat plane that we all live on. Well, and, and some of the things that I, I, that I saw here that they, they, they go through. Uh, the reality, and this is from a Robbie Davidson. Um, he does a... There's like apparently there's a flat Earth convention down in Dallas. <laughs> um, he is saying that the that the flat Earth, sun and moon and stars are contained in a Truman Show like dome. Huh. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, so we're living in the Truman Show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now he is also saying that the 
society, the Flat Earth Society, is actually a front to make them all look bad. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know that they necessarily needed a society to do that. I think they do fairly well on their own. <laughs> right. I was going to say. Yeah. Um, they got and, that one covered. <laughs> and I'm sure every astronaut would love this. They say NASA is similar to Disneyland and astronauts are the actors. <laughs> uh, Listen, Disneyland yeah. has better actors than, than astronauts. I'm sorry. So that's interesting because I saw a, a YouTube video in the past couple months here that was talking about a reality show that they did in Great Britain, or U- the UK, uh, that did basically what they're saying. They, they created this reality show that said, okay, we're going to get all these contestants and whoever makes it through the training or, you know, whatever that they came up with, that they were going to go on a mission to space. And they put them through all this rigorous training. They went to an abandoned military base in the, in the United Kingdom. They created this set, basically, that they put these unsuspecting people that these people supposedly did not know that they were on a reality show. They really thought they were, you know, in a competition to go to space. And it looked fairly realistic. I imagine that it's one of those things where if you're in the situation, you kind of suspend your disbelief and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm in this. I'm doing this. Yeah. And, and when you see stuff that doesn't match up, you, your brain just kind of ignores it. And you're like, oh, OK, yeah, I'm going, you know, I'm doing this. I'm excited. Right. That's actually a good way to yeah. look at it. Yeah. Hmm. That's yeah. interesting. It, it was a very interesting it? show. Yeah, I believe they did. Oh, really? Yeah. We huh. may have to see that. It so. was pretty I know. fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. So. Now, some of the, here's, it's amazing the amount of sports people I saw that were flat earthers. Um, uh, Kyrie Irving is a flat earther. Who's that? That is a... Basketball player, I I, I believe that's a basketball paper. Mm -hmm. Um, You know Bob, uh, he's a famous rapper, singer. He did the song Airplanes. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, with uh, Eminem. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a flat earther. Um, Tila Tequila. Um, she's a flat earther. That, that's the one that scares me the most. Um, that doesn't surprise me. No. I didn't tell you this. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown. Oh. That's the... I did know that. Did yes. you know that? Mm-hmm. Do you oh. know who that is, Rebecca? Yeah, she's from Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. she's a flat earther. Yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah. That's... And then Shaq. I, I, Shaq is the one that does it. That I mean, he's tall enough to see the curvature. <laughs> I mean, right? Let's be honest here. <laughs> I thought he was a little. I didn't know he was that off. <laughs> that just tells you, you know, you don't know. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I, the problem is, if you buy into it, you buy into it, right? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, that's the thing about conspiracies. When once you once you're bitten by that bug, it's very hard to to get off that path and you know once you start down it you, you know you're in you're in it and you yeah. double down constantly yep you know? well there was that one guy that doubled out doubled down he was a flat earther and he built a rocket to shoot himself up to see because <laughs> he was yeah. going to take go up he was going to shoot up and take pictures and he damn near blew himself up yeah you know <laughs> ended up in critical care and didn't get any pictures because you know of course he didn't make it <laughs> well and even if he did i'm sure he at this point he's so brainwashed that's where he is right well, and sadly did not make it to the darwin awards by no. uh, <laughs> finishing the experiment <laughs> right right which would take us into 
So that means alien, if, if the world is a dome, that means aliens don't exist, right? If the world is a dome? Yeah, how do they get in? <laughs> do we have a door built? I guess they have a door, good, yeah. Good question. There was a door in the Truman Show, yeah, we, nobody saw it, so yeah. Right, I guess. Yeah, that's true, that's true. So, yeah, so aliens, what is your take on aliens? My, my personal belief is that I'm sure they're out there. Um, I, I subscribe to that theory that, you know... We are one planet among eight or nine, depending on who you ask, in the solar system. How many stars, how many billions of stars, how many billions more planets there are out there, and how many billions of galaxies there are. Right. Yeah. We, we, we can't be the only one out here. It'd be kind of, kind of conceited of, uh, of humankind <laughs> it of, is. to think, go for it, that's it. Yeah, it's very arrogant to say, yeah, we're the only ones. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now there's now you're going to go through the conspiracies on there. The lizard people are here and they're running our government. (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard that one? No. Oh, there's some Photoshop. I'm sure they have to be Photoshop, but you could see like, and it could be camera flares in their eyes. They're like, yeah, see their eyes. That's a lizard person. Yeah. I just don't see where some people come up with some of this stuff. It's like really like, how far fetched can you get? <laughs> Apparently, pretty far fetched. I oh, mean, definitely. Um, well, I mean, Area Fifty One is still a big secret, right? Right. Yeah. Um, still a lot of stuff going on there that not too many people know about. Well, yeah. that's true. And well, here's the thing: we know some of the stuff that's come out of there. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. We have a lot of the stuff that we saw at SAC Museum. Sure. That's our. They had to. They had to test that somewhere. Yep. Yeah. And if you look at some of those designs that they were testing and you know if someone saw that out and you're not used to seeing something like that you're used to a traditional plane and some of those fighter planes are not traditional yeah i could see where they're like oh well yeah yeah, yeah. um well we watched that night. we watched that one show the um secrets of skinwalker ranch yep Yep. And how they were doing all the different testing up there and everything too, oh, is that and what that that's was about? Yeah, yeah, I keep seeing it. And I just haven't <laughs> it, on it yet. It's pretty good. Um, there's a lot of anomalies in the area that they're trying to figure out, um, and of course you got that guy, you know, the crazy guy with the hair that says aliens. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. So now that doesn't mean that every anomaly is aliens. So let's be honest: the gravitational pull on on gif- magnetic. Uh, issues that happen throughout the Earth, you know, solar flares, things like that all can cause an anomaly on the Earth, right? right. Yep. And with you guys, you know, with with NASA launching stuff in space, she, they have to they have to account for that. So mm-hmm. when you see an anomaly, you're thinking, okay, was there a solar flare? You guys go through with the same process, don't you? Um, to some extent, I mean, more with the solar flares and things like that, but like gravitic gravity anomalies, gravitic anomalies, um, that's not really something that comes into play um that's that it's so minuscule that it's not really something that i think they take into account okay interesting that is kind of cool so i'll be honest my i think aliens are out there as well Mm -hmm. i would think that when they drive by earth they lock their doors and just keep going by (laughs) that would be my thought on it oh that's earth click We don't go there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, do I think they may have visited us in the path in the past? There's a lot of like pictures in you know that they've drawn that 
really resemble an astronaut, don't they? Yeah. Oh yeah, when you go back and you look at the like the hieroglyphics in in Egypt, yeah, from you know three thousand BC or whatever the year is. I mean, it, it goes way back, and there's there's some things on there that you look at it and you're like, mm, that's kind of weird. Right. And like I said, it could be that could be one of those things where you know you have something in your head and you see it and your brain goes, okay, that's what that is. But it's you know because you choose to to see what you see. Right. Um, it's a little it's a little hard to sometimes decipher what they were going for, but you're right. I mean, and it's not, and maybe if it was just in one location, that would be saying something. But when you start talking about how they had it in, you know, in uh, Central America with the Aztecs, and you see things on theirs that look very similar. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean, like, you, you, you could say that it's a coincidence. Like, is it a coincidence that the uh, three major pyramids in Giza line up to the belts, the stars in the belts of Orion? Orion. Could well, be a coincidence. Could be there, a major coincidence. There's supposed to be a bunch of uh, those uh, line up. Like, if you go, like, Easter Island, if you draw lines yeah. a certain way. You, here's the thing. I think if you... If you're the one drawing the lines, you could make them intersect anywhere exactly. you want to, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. could it, it, it could it be that? Well, yeah, sure, it could be. Right. Um, we just don't know. But if, if, like you said, if the people who want you to believe that are are showing you that that's what it is, if you don't question it, well, you're probably going to believe them. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. Isn't that kind of crazy? <laughs> so yeah, I I think they're out there. I you know, yeah. and here's the thing: we sent what did we send up it with? Uh, we sent out like a uh, time capsule out, right, with a golden record. Yeah, on uh, Voyager. Right. Yeah. So here's my problem with that. They're going to get this record. If they send us, let's say in 100, uh, 100 million years, they send back a, a record and say, yeah, here's our society. Nobody here will know what that is. <laughs> right. That's <Yeah>. true. <laughs> they could be horrible. They'll be like, "What is that strange yeah, object? What, what is that?" <laughs> yeah, I sure hope we send a record player with it along, along for the ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would think so too. I, I would hope so. And will it last out there? I mean, yeah. uh, it was made of gold, I believe. So, and uh, unless it gets hit by, you know, interstellar dust or something like that, which I think they protected it to okay. prevent that from happening. Um, yeah, it would it would be protected. Gold doesn't, uh, it doesn't erode or decay like right, other metals right. do. Which is, which is why it's so valuable. Yeah. So now we were talking about the moon being fake, that moon landing being fake. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, Those I people th- crack me up. <laughs> well, and the, there was a Gallup poll on that, right? I yeah. think I did a Gallup poll on that. It was kind of shocking. Um, and this was in 1999. 6% of Americans said they thought the lunar landing were fake. And 5% were, was undecided. Wow. Okay. And that was in 99? That was in 99. In July of 2019, it was 10%. Why did it go up? Wow. So it went from 6 to 10%. Yeah. Probably, you know what, I'm actually shocked that it's not higher than that in 2019. And the reason that it goes up is because the changes in in 50 years to our ability to communicate and to transfer knowledge via social media 
has exponentially increased in that time period. Um, it's the reason that's, I believe it's the reason that we have so many disagreements and, and problems and, you know, and conspiracies and all that. They all grow because there's no delay in the transfer of those ideas. They are instantaneously transferred throughout the world. Um, isn't there a saying that says, that. Yeah. you know, I can speak a lie and by the time it comes back around the world, you know, I would not have been able to tell the truth or something like that to that effect that basically, you know, you can spread a lie far quicker than you could ever spread the truth. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. That yeah. big old game of telephone. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it used to be you, you'd be, you would say something even to your family and by the time everybody like thought about what you said, you're like, well, that was kind of dumb. Right. Yeah. We've all had that moment. Yeah. But when you have instant technology that you're just going to put your thought out there and then, mm-hmm. you know, I would say we've talked about that with, uh, if people thought about before, like Roseanne Barr, before she, if she would have thought before she like tweeted what <laughs> yeah. she tweeted, she yeah. might not have tweeted that. That's the problem. Yeah. I think oh, yeah. people yeah. just want to say, "Well, I'm going to say something," yep. and you know, make themselves look stupid. I guess. Well, I mean, not only that, but I mean, there's so much clout chasing. There's so much um, oh, yeah. notoriety and fame to being the first at something, the first to say something, or first to put an idea out. You know. I mean, it even trickles down to, like, if you look at a YouTube video and you see comments, so you see somebody say first just because they're trying to be the first one to comment on the video. Right. You know, I mean, it's so ridiculously silly. And people make money off that. They make livelihoods off of that. Right. Wow. That's, that's the scary part. Yeah. They make money off of nothing, really, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So how many times have we been to the moon? Well, let's see. There would be... Uh, Apollo 11, Apollo 12. Are you talking about manned? I yeah, assume? manned, yeah. So 11, 12, 13 didn't land, 14, 15, 16, 17, so six times. Six mm. times. So we've yeah. been to the moon six times. Yeah. And now Russia is all of a sudden going back now. Uh, they won't. You don't think so? No. They Russia's space program is a discombobulated mess. Oh, really? Um, huh. Yeah. They... Um, for, well, first of all, with their geopolitical situation, they oh. they really can't spare the probably the money or the brain power to do it. So um, it's probably a publicity stunt, just trying to. Yeah, anything that they say as far I mean, you know, they they do talk about teaming up with China and doing it. Now, I if heard that. they were to do that, China has a lot more ability than Russia does. So they could hitchhike with China and basically say, okay, here's all of our experience and knowledge that we have right. uh, on, on how to do this. And the Chinese are exceptionally good at being given information and being able to reverse engineer it into something that's fairly decent. I mean, they already have a space station up there. So right. it wouldn't take too much for the Chinese at this point to get there if they were assisted by someone who had already at least made an attempt to go. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, too. I didn't know that either. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. So who all has like space stations up there? Is it... Stations, just us. Well, us in the sense of, you know, all the countries that are, uh, under the international space station oh, okay. agreement. Um, you know, the Europeans, they send up, uh, astronauts from time to time, various other countries participate. Um, we're actually participating with Russia. Oh, um, okay. Very closely, actually, to the point that we can't really have 
the station without Russia. It's just, it's not possible because they built half and we built half. And to separate those at this point, it simply would not work. Um, the reason we did that was because the space station was being developed during the Cold War. Right. And we were getting ready to start really going at it right at the end of the Cold War. That was back when it was called Space Station Freedom. Um, and we were getting ready to go at it, and then the Berlin Wall fell. And suddenly, a metric crap ton of uh, scientists who knew an awful lot about nuclear technology and launch vehicles and all that were suddenly out on the market for whoever was willing to pay the most money to get that. Mm. And we did not want those people to get out there and start spreading their knowledge. So what we did was we entered an agreement with Russia. We basically said, okay, you'll come in and you'll be a, you know, an equal partner with us on this station so long as you keep these guys employed, you keep them under, under, you know, Your under, <laughs> yeah, you don't let them go everywhere. Don't let them start, you know, giving Iran and, and all those other people a chance to, you know, figure out how to build a, a nuclear missile. Right. And so that was what we did. And so by doing that, we basically locked ourselves together in, into, into ISS, which is where we're at now. And I think a lot, a lot of similar happened during World War II mm-hmm. when Nazi Germany started doing their thing. When a lot of their like top scientists, you know, started to scatter, um, we really didn't want those to scatter to you know other places and take knowledge that may be damning to us yep. or hurt us. So we took a lot of those people in. They are the people who were responsible for getting NASA to where it was at in its early years. Yeah. Werner von Braun was the basically the the key, the linchpin to getting to the moon. Hmm. Yeah, so you know, it's you 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 gotta have to kind of stop looking at it as well. It's it's regimes that are are the problem. Yeah. it's the people that are in charge, not the scientists that work for them. Yeah. They had no choice, really. Yep. So I could see a lot of that. Yep. So are we going back to the moon? Are we going back to the moon? Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll be back there, I would guess. Currently, the plan, I think, is 2025. Um, we have two companies. So we're now we're doing it via commercial. So we're um, partnering with commercial companies. And we have two companies that we have uh, partnered with to create moon landers. Okay. So what, what we're going to do is we're going to create a miniature space station in lunar orbit called Gateway. And we'll send uh, an Orion capsule with around four astronauts out to that Gateway. And a lunar lander will be docked at that Gateway. So it's basically like a almost, you know, a, a bus transport system. You get on the bus here, you go to the station, then you get all, hop on another bus and you go to your destination. Oh. So they'll go there, they'll <laughs> hop in the lander, they'll fly down, they'll probably stay on the moon a whole lot longer than the last ones were because we realized that you can't just go there for a couple hours. If you really want to do, uh, you know, science, if you really want to do resource mapping, if you really want to figure out how to do things, you got to be there more than, you know, a day. <laughs> Sorry, babe. I, I was I wanted to do a little honeymoon on the, on the moon oh, with yeah. you. If he's saying two hours is out, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Just a little quick drive by. Yeah. You know, 
sunbay like I guess a sunrise up there would be great, wouldn't it? You get a tan like crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll bleach you right out. <laughs> so is there any? I know we're plan. So we're planning on going back to Mars. Now, if we're going to go back and forth, are we going to create any kind of base or colonization of Mars or of the Moon? That's not currently in the in the plans. Um, but I think the idea is there, and there's a lot of advocates for that. Um, and it could work, but, you know, like I said, that's the type of thing that you need to get there and kind of figure out how you want to work that. Um, constructing things there is somewhat problematic. Um, yeah, I would think. <laughs> you know, it's it's not easy. You can't just go there and just, you know, it's not like there's stuff waiting there to be to be mined. You know, there's not metals. You, you, you would have to send things up like foundries and... Or the raw materials itself, which cost a lot to, to get it there. Right. Home Depot um, don't deliver up yeah. there, I gather. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. The, the way that they've set this iteration of going to the moon up, it, it doesn't really lend itself to, like, you know, leave a lander there and use that as a base. Um, they might be able to finesse their way into that at some point, but I don't, I don't see a moon base. If it was in a decade, I'd be shocked. Two decades is probably doable. Oh. Okay. Interesting. Now, what would be more doable? Colonization of Mars or colonization of the moon? Ah, well, <laughs> I know. that depends on who you ask. Mars is a little <laughs> further away, but it may have a little bit different, you know, scenario there for that, right? right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on how you go about it. Um, if, if you start off with the plan to do that, which... You know, Elon Musk and SpaceX, their their goal is to colonize Mars. They don't just want to go there and do uh, footprints and flags. Right. They, they, they want to go there and they want to actually build something. Well, see, and that's where I'm confused. If you're going to do that, and Mars is quite a ways away, mm-hmm. once you want to do that a little closer to home, like the moon, why didn't, why, why didn't Elon say, well, let's go, let's... We're going to colonize, so everything we're going to send to Mars, we're going to send to the moon, just to make sure it works, because if something fails, I don't want people that far away that will never right. make it back. I think that is a little bit of, in Elon's head, um, being a been there, done that situation, that he, he didn't, you know, people, I mean, we've gone to the moon, so... Yeah, but we're not vacationing there. Right. there. Yeah, but he, he felt like that was the low-hanging fruit, I think. I think his his goal and his dream has always been to do something that other people haven't done. Um, and it shows in the way that he runs his companies to where he tries to do things that are outside of the box. And, you know, colonizing Mars is pretty outside the box. Um, going to Mars is one thing. Going to Mars and leaving people there for potentially ever is another thing entirely that's way out of the box yeah. <laughs> well yeah because you got to understand that you know if if someone from how long did it take to get to mars i guess that's the question. um depending on the methods that you use i mean some people and sometimes it takes uh approximately six months sometimes a little sooner depending on the the orbits okay uh, you always there's there's a transfer window to mars every two years so the maximum is two years. 
that it would take. That's where those would be your slowest. That's where they where Mars lines up with the Earth, where it's at, clo- at the closest point. Right? Exactly, exactly. So and at its closest point, you could get there much quicker, and you have to plan for that. You can't. It's not like you can just you know, like okay, I'm going to go whenever I go. No, the planets don't work that fast. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> You're hitting a moving target. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. So I, I guess that's the thing is is when you send someone up there, if a if anything fails. That's you know goodbye. Right. But what happens if they get to Mars and they're like, eh, I don't want to be here anymore? They they don't have the they don't have the way of getting off Mars. Mars has a gravity, uh, have a gra- right. has a gravity there, right? Yeah. yeah. How, the moon is a lot easier to get off of the moon because of the gravity pull on it is a lot less, right? Right. It's also a lot closer, so you need less fuel to get back here. Um, it, it, it all comes down to fuel. When, when you look at it, you have to have oh. your you have to have your equation of fuel when it comes to that. So, if you and also it comes back to the you know the transfer windows again. If you go there and you sit there for three months and then you're like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to be here. Well, <laughs> your window has gotten a lot worse now because Earth and Mars are a lot farther apart from each other than they were when you landed. Right. So you, even though you want to leave, <laughs> you, you really might not be able to leave until right. the window comes up again. Wow, so that's crazy to think. I, yeah, I, they'll, the people who who do this will be people who you know they're going to want to be there. Yeah, like and there's a very to the cause. <laughs> yeah, there's a very slim chance that they're going to be like, oh, you know, sorry, this wasn't for me. And they'll be vetted pretty well. Uh, they, they have to be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're basically going to say, look, you're never going to see your, your friends and family again in, in person. Mm-hmm. You're going to the moon. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I, I just, I couldn't imagine doing it. <laughs> no. So I guess that's the private, the, the private explorations that we get into as well is, I mean, they're talking about like having tours to space. Yeah. Yeah, because we were talking about the Virgin Galactic tours that they're doing now, too. No, that's <laughs> that other guy, uh, Branson. Richard Branson. Richard yeah. Branson. Yeah. Yeah. How, how likely is that to really take off? Um, that's actually starting to pick up, shockingly enough. Um, the thing about that is, is uh, so Virgin Galactic does it, and their, their version is they strap a small space plane to the bottom of another plane. They fly it up to 40, 50,000 feet. They drop it and they light the engine and they shoot them straight up in the air. Oh. And, um, is that more fuel efficient? Yeah. It's well, and it, it, for that business case, it would be, it's more fuel efficient because the, the, the craft itself that's carrying the passengers, it doesn't have to carry as much fuel and it doesn't have to get through as much atmosphere to get to that point. We've already raised them up above that. The lower in the atmosphere you are, the more drag you have and the more it takes to get punched through the atmosphere to get up to that point. Hmm. So if you take them up above the thickest part of the atmosphere, you save fuel and you save energy. So so would that be going going forward? Is that how NASA would try to do launches? Or are they still going to just take the rockets straight up? They'll still do the rockets. The thing about Virgin Galactic is it's suborbital. Um, so it's basically, we're going to chuck you up in the air. You're going to go up as far as you, it's just like throwing a ball. 
You throw it up in the air, it kind of, if you watch it, it kind of hovers there for a second, and then it comes back down. Right. It's the same thing with this. We're just lighting an engine, throwing this airplane up in the air, it goes up. So when it uh, comes back down, how does it, do they go just back down to the ground, or back down to yeah, the plane Yeah, again? so it's a pretty inventive system, so that it's basically built like a shuttlecock. The, the side wings of it tilt up. And so it turns it into, you know, basically when you see like a shuttlecock to where it's got these wings hanging off the, off the side of it. And it naturally orients itself as it comes back into the atmosphere into a stable configuration. Once it gets down to where, you know, the aerodynamics come into play and the wing actually works, then the tail moves back down and it turns into a glider and it glides back down to the runway and lands. Oh. And they just launched uh, last week, I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Now that would be kind of fun. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> hit, hit the jackpot, baby. Yep. Let's go do I'll that. Try it, I'll try it. <laughs> well, here's, here's the thing. I would love to do that. I want it thoroughly tested. I've seen, we've all seen what happens when it's not thoroughly tested. Right. Yes. And pre- there's, there's all kinds of, there's pressure, oxygen, all kinds of issues. That, that goes when you go up and when you go into the water. Right. So you have the same kind of anomalies. So I want to make sure that after, when they hit their, you know, 300 tour, <laughs> I, I might start right. looking into a ticket there. Okay. Depending on how many of those tours actually reach the ground. Right. Okay. I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I like a little bit of adventure, but I like my adventures a little more safe than I've seen recently in news. Well, yeah, I mean, winged vehicles have inherently proven themselves to be much more problematic than a capsule. Right. Um, we lost two space shuttles. Um, right. To, you know, well, one of them wasn't an issue with the wings, but the second one, Columbia, definitely was. Um, and Virgin Galactic themselves lost their first, uh, their first vehicle. Um, they were doing a test, and they lit, lit the rocket, and it went up, and it hit the point uh, of maximum pressure. And okay. the wings unlocked, the ones that are supposed to go up once you get mm. up there. Well, that's about the worst time you can have your wings to unlock and to change your aerodynamic properties and it ripped the vehicle apart. Ooh. Threw one of the guys clear out of the, out of the debris. Oh, wow. Um, and only by sheer luck and some foresight from their engineers to have their parachutes actually automatically deployed it his, was his life saved. Oh, wow. Um, the other guy was not so fortunate. He was not thrown clear, and he rode the vehicle to the ground. Ooh. So, and so that the, re- the, the reason the wings are the way they are is it's because of stress points on the, on the craft itself, right? In the case of Virgin Galactic, yeah, but it's more about how they, how they orientate and re-enter. Um, that, that's their method of, uh, ensuring stability on the vehicle okay. when it comes back into the atmosphere. Okay. So I would think it would be almost as similar as a helicopter because if, if a helicopter loses power, the way it's designed is supposed to make it fall yep. slower. Yes. So Very similar. It's, it's just an engineering thing that will help mm. take a lot of the guesswork out of it. Yep. So And if you have a long wing and then one breaks off and the other one's still intact, then you have all kinds of problems, oh, right? Yeah. So it still amazes me that they can. Oh, technology is yeah. crazy, isn't it? <laughs> How they can make all this stuff to do that. <laughs> now you work on the the rover project, right? 
I, well, I didn't work on the rover itself. <laughs> I'm a, you didn't build it? What? No, 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 no. Uh, so I, I'm a senior software developer. Um, and I'm in a, in my position at Langley, um, they build a lot of experiments and a lot of payloads for various vehicles. And, um, so one of the ones that I helped assist on, so I, I, uh, built and maintain a system that would keep inventory of, of parts that they use to build these products or build these payloads. And, um, it's funny before we started doing that, um, it was very willy nilly as to how the parts, various parts were stored on center. Um, if you were ever to look at something that, and you said that's government waste, this would probably be the one area that you would look at it and go, yeah, that's that's pretty wasteful. Um, they basically had, you know, various parts throughout various warehouses that were, you know, in, you know, you see those big red toolboxes and, right. and things like that where they just had, you know, various components strewn all over the place and not really much of an inventory as to where those parts were. And how they could reuse them because, you know, when you go and you're you're building something and you need a 10 transistors for the, for the circuit board that you're building, you don't just go order 10 transistors because you know you're probably going to, something's going to get lost, something's going to get screwed up, you're going to go through testing and it's going to fail. Right. You're going to need some more. So you order 20. Well, when they go through a program and they order 20 transistors and they only use 10, where, where does the other 10 go? Right. That yeah. was the thing that they were really having problems with, was that they, these 10 transistors that they didn't use were just kind of going in the box somewhere, and they weren't getting reused because the next guy that comes along with a payload says, hey, I need 20 transistors, and they go, all right, let's go order 20 transistors. <laughs> Nobody knows that there's 10 of them sitting in you know the next building over. So some guy uh, came by and said, huh, that's where we put these. Yeah, yeah. So what they did was they... they they said, okay, build us a system that will help keep an inventory and keep track of where all these are at so that we can just go into the system and say, hey, I need five transistors of this type. Do we have any of those? And we actually brought in this machine, and it's uh, aptly named the VLM, the Very Large Machine. Uh, <laughs> it was a two-story tower. Um, that's basically like, you know, when you go to the jewelry store and you see those rotating trays that have the rings in them and it oh, just yeah. goes, goes yeah. through them. Well, this is a massive two story version of that, that had all these trays that were like 20 feet long, four feet deep and had parts all throughout each one of those trays. So you think, you know, you're looking at a hundred some trays with, you know, 40 by four foot area in them. And all these different parts. And there has to be a system to know, okay, I need this part. Pull down that tray, go to this location, grab that part, mm. take it out of the inventory system, and, and move oh. it on. So it, it's a it's an efficiency thing. It's a cost savings thing. Um, so we can save the government money, which means we can make more payloads. And, oh. uh, you know, it, 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 <clears throat> excuse me, it makes everything better all the way around. That's so cool. <laughs> this, the Mars payload that we did was called Medley, M-E-D-L-I, which is Mars Entry Descent Landing uh, Interface. Right. Um, and it's basically they did some experiments on the heat shield for the rover, the last rover that went up, 
Um, the heat shield for the entry to Mars atmosphere, they did some pressure testing and things like that to um, figure out all the strains, the air pressure, and the heat on the vehicle as it's coming through Mars uh, Mars's atmosphere. Is it a lot like Earth when it comes through? It gets kind of hot? Yes, it gets very hot. It's a lot of pressure because there's still an atmosphere on Mars. It's not like our atmosphere, but there is an atmosphere there. Okay. It's not breathable or anything like that, but it is, it is there. Um, so it's, you know, it was a learning process that they can use going forward, um, for future vehicles to understand how, uh, the, the entry and the landing occurs and, and what happens during that. Right. To plan right. For. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, was cool, cool. that is cool. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was very exciting. I yeah. just can't believe they didn't have a system of what parts were what. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like, you would think that they would be, like, on at least on a shelf somewhere, like, yeah. labeled. It blew my mind when they explained it to me, and I was like, okay, we don't already have that? Okay. And so when you look at something like that, and you say, okay, is NASA CGIing stars up in the sky? So, yeah, they're, they're CGIing that, but they can't figure out how to where to put their parts at and keep track of them all. Yeah. yeah maybe the easiest answer here is they're, they're yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that that does make a lot more sense. I mean, the the pawn shop down the street has the same thing with it. Because that's yeah. where I get my little you know, gold, coins. my coins from. Yeah. Right. So, I'm like... So they just have a bigger version of that. Much bigger. Okay. Yeah. I want to see it now. <laughs> no, I can just imagine, and I'm, I'm going to gather if a part doesn't work in certain atmospheres or, you know, well, this one's going to Mars and we need to upgrade this to this, I would think that they'd have to say, you know, label, don't use these on Mars because they'll, they'll blow out. I mean. Yeah, there's various radiation ratings and things like that that, right. they, have to radi- that they have to rate parts for. So, oh. And that's part of the thing that they keep track of. Right. So if something goes up there like, well, that didn't, you know, we didn't anticipate, you know, radiation from this area, so we can't use that anymore. Let's move those off to the side. We don't want someone, you know, 10 years from now going, oh, we got some diodes here. Let's just use these, right? (laughs) Right. Because then it's going to fail. Yeah. So. And they have a shelf life, too. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. And by knowing where they're at and being able to use them before their shelf life expires, that comes another cost savings for the government. Okay. So right now we have, what, two Mars rovers up there? Yeah. Okay. And one deactivated? Yeah. Well, there's okay. a couple of them that have deactivated over time. But they, they get dust on their solar panels, and then they can't charge their batteries up. No one got a windshield wiper on those? <laughs> yeah. You would you would think. Why didn't we put a windshield wiper? Wouldn't a windshield wiper <laughs> shoot, 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 you know, just get a little dust off there and be done? Yeah. yeah. A little squirt bottle on that would be fine. A little air can? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was reading somewhere where they had, like, one was orbiting or something, and they, like, crossed paths with them. Mm, was that the rover? That. Okay. No. Maybe it was something else then. I yeah, saw that. I, well, there's, I guess the, the amount of debris up there and crossing happens all the time. But, yep. yeah, I I would say eventually I'd like to do a tour um, of space. It would be nice. And if you, uh, man, uh, colonization of Mars is the way to go room with a view yeah, yeah. that's true that'd be kind of cool <laughs> oh yeah i'd love to go yeah, yeah. wouldn't we all I, I i have a whole group of people i would like to get on my first if i <laughs> if i become a millionaire i'm gonna fix fix the problem i if you're a flat flat earther shack i'm talking to you we're gonna get you on a on a little space tour we're gonna get you out to the moon you can go there yourself to believe it <laughs> 
yeah. here's the problem. They're going to come back and say, oh, yeah, they kidnapped me and brainwashed <laughs> me and stuck thoughts in my head. That, you <laughs> yep. know that's what's going to uh-huh. happen. There's no winning with those guys, right? Nope. Yeah. There's always an answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always, always. So, yep. no, I thought that was a pretty good show. What do you yeah. think? That was pretty interesting. You learned something? I did. I always learned something. I learned a lot from you from the Sack <laughs> Museum, too. Yeah, I love that. I was like, that was awesome. Yeah, it's always been my passion. To aeronautics and space, it's, it's always been my thing. So to be able to work at NASA is, uh, every day is a dream. Yeah. That's kind of cool. What got you started in that? At NASA? No, just with that, you know, your drive for... Oh, I, I, I would say it's probably living here near the base. Um, watching the planes fly over all the time. We used to, dad, you know, mom and dad used to always take us to the air show every year because back then it was every year there was an air show. Yeah, right. Constantly. I always remember putting together the model airplanes sometimes yeah. with you. <laughs> and it was so cool back then because you know, like it's not like it is now when you go to an air show and like everything's gated off. Right. It's like when we went to the museum, you could go up and t- you could go up and touch an F fifteen in nineteen eighty. I mean, that's crazy. Right. Yeah. You know. And well. We weren't destructive back then. We yeah. we respected other people's right. property because if we didn't, we got it when we got home. Right. Yeah. So right. You get, I'm sure you both know, and I've got the look where if you, if I start act up in a store, my <laughs> mom could give me that look, <laughs> yeah. and that look was okay. I'm on borrowed time if I do anything. <laughs> now there's no. The, I mean, kids run around. They do whatever they want. They touch things. They break things. You know. They don't have any respect for other people's property. Right. So I think that's yeah. the big difference, too. I was a little disappointed it was all kind of closed off, but I understand why. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think our next show? Um, next show is going to be like hybrid versus electric vehicles. That's going to be a fun show, yeah. too. Yeah, sounds cool. Yeah. Chad and Bev and all you guys are always going back and forth on when we go out on that yeah. subject, so it's been oh, kind yeah. of interesting, and then just kind of seeing the effects of electric vehicles nowadays is like yeah. Crazy. I forgot to plug my phone in to charge it the other day. I can't imagine waking <laughs> up and realizing I forgot to plug my car in. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm telling you, NASA needs to get solar panels all on their stuff, and then they can all be totally electric. Right. You don't have to worry about fuel. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would ever work. But no. it, not. Sounds good, though. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds like a great idea, but no. That's the next conspiracy. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is, yeah. Yeah. We'll see if that ever works. Yeah. So, it's, all right. I think that was going to be our show then, won't it? All righty. Bye, everybody. Bye.